So I welcome you to the second and last day of our seminar on devotee association. And today we're going to uh, see how to associate with devotees uh, by studying the pure devotee Prahlad Maharaj to see what is the quality of a qualification of a devotee to associate with Krishna and serve the devotees. We will learn from Prahlad's attitude in his prayers to Nishingadev. What is his attitude? It begins with humility. And he's selfless because when Nishingadev asked what benediction he wanted, he said, oh yeah, please liberate my father, Hiranyakashipu. He didn't ask anything for himself. And even though his father was so terrible, tried to kill him so many ways, he wanted to liberate his father. What a beautiful son. So, Pralad Maharaj, who can compare to Pralad? He was very humble. He was praying, How is it possible for me, born in a family of demons, to pray to the Supreme Lord? How can I pray? How can I offer suitable prayers? Even the demigods, they could not satisfy Nishingadev. He was, he was roaring. He was very angry after killing Hiranyakashipu. And all the demigods, they offered prayers, but he didn't stop roaring. Nobody could pacify him. And so they, they um, pushed Prahlad forward. Okay, it's because of you he came here. He's angry. You have to stop him from being angry. So humility is qualification to advance, and we have a lot to be humble about. We are all aspiring devotees trying to advance the Krishna consciousness. So he is showing us the way that, yes, don't be proud of your birth, um, but still you can pray. You can offer prayers to the Lord, no matter where you, or how you are born, what, what is your status. So in his prayer, next prayer, verse, this is 799, he said, one, must, one may possess wealth, aristocratic family, beauty, austerity, education, sensory expertise, luster, influence, physical strength, diligence, intelligence, mystic yogi power. But I think by all these qualifications one cannot satisfy the Supreme Personality of God. Yes, I was just reading on the internet a very nice um, thing about Lord Ram, how Lord Ram, the demigods, were all trying to get the dust of his lotus feet. He didn't care for the demigods. He was, he was with his intimate devotees who are not even human beings, Hanuman and the monkeys. He was having intimate relationship with them. They didn't have riches or aristocratic family or beauty. Or, they didn't have any of these things, but they had devotion. So that's why he was interested in them. And so for the devotees, Krishna is easily available. Just we have to develop our affection for Krishna. And it's in the heart already. It's just covered by a bunch of garbage, which we have to take out and dispose of. And then we can have the darshan of Krishna. And so we have to learn. We learn from the Guru. And Krishna in the heart is also Guru, Ketu Guru, 
he says, I will give you intelligence, the Dhammi, Bhuti, Yogam, Tam. I will give you intelligence how to come to me. And so, yes, if you, you, think, you may think, well, I'm less intelligent. I don't have intelligence. Don't worry. Krishna will give you intelligence. He will give you. He promised. So humility doesn't mean I'm so fallen. Oh, I can't do any service because I'm so fallen. No, uh, that is not humility. That you're thinking of yourself. I am so fallen. <laughs> I am this, I am that. That's our false ego. So if we can also have a kind of humility the false ego has. So don't have that kind of humility. We can be humble, yes, I'm not qualified, but if I just try to practice the process of devotional service, I can become an instrument to be used by Krishna. So then, Prahlad prays, if a Brahmana has all 12 of the Brahminical qualifications, but is not a devotee and a verse to lotus feet of the Lord, he's lower than a devotee who is a dog-eater but who has dedicated everything, mind, words, activities, wealth, and life, to the Supreme Lord. So isn't it interesting? A person born in a dog-eater family, I think maybe Philippines or China, I don't know. They eat dogs. Um, but they're higher than a Brahmana who has all the 12 Brahminical qualifications, but he's not a devotee. If it, there's a Chinese devotee, he's higher than a Brahmana who has all the 12 Brahminical qualifications, who is not a devotee. And that is stated in the, in the scriptures, Shamana Jayate Shudra. Everyone is born a Shudra, lowest. Sanskara Bhaved Dvija. But by performing uh, reformatory ceremonies, one can be elevated to the level of a Brahman, Dvija. Twice, twice born, just like the bird is also Dwija. He has two births. One birth is the egg comes out, first birth. Second birth, he breaks out of the eggshell. So when we are born from our mothers and fathers, we're in the eggshell. That's our first birth, in the egg. And then we have to break out of it, and that's when we get our initiation. We get initiation, we break out of the eggshell, we get knowledge. So how is it that uh, somebody born in a low family can surpass a Brahmana? Um, well, one thing that Shirabhakti Siddhanta Saraswati says, if a pure devotee appears in a family, his ancestors and descendants for 100 generations are elevated. Now, when a middle devotee, a Madhya Madhikari, is born in a family, his ancestors and descendants for 14 generations are elevated. What about if a neophyte devotee appears in a family, like I think most of us? Uh, three generations before and after are liberated, elevated. So the example is given of His Holiness Indudumna Maharaj about his mother. He said, I tried to help my mother in spiritual life, but throughout most of her life she never showed any interest in spiritual life. Uh, and uh, I asked her, you believe in God? And she said, something maybe out there. 
And so that was her reply. She really didn't, they would debate the existence of the soul, life after death, karma. But he was sending her Prabhupada's books, which were sitting in the garage and collecting dusk, dust. <laughs> so then she telephoned him one, late one night, and she said, can you take me to Vrindavan? He said, what? What is she, what? the land of Krishna's birth? How does she even know what Vrindavan is? But she insisted and wanted to know when we could go. So he was very, oh yes, this is wonderful. Okay, but I'm, I'm a little tired. I'll, I'll call you up tomorrow morning and we'll talk. So he called the next morning, his brother answered, and he said, can I speak to mom? And then the brother said, mom passed away last night. So <laughs> how did that happen? So then Maharaj asked, so what happened? How, how? I just talked to her. He said, I know she's been battling cancer for six months. She didn't want to tell you. So did she say anything at the end, Maharaj asked. And his brother said, yes, she did. She said, don't lament for me. I'm not this body. I'm eternal spirit, so I'll never die. I'm going to Krishna. Okay. I couldn't believe it. My mother, the intellectual who never went to church, never inquired about God, debated his very existence, was going to Krishna. So then I asked my brother, well, how is it possible she said that? He said, yes, um, when she learned she had cancer, was going to die, a strange transformation came over her. She became restless. She was asking about you, wanting to know where you were, what were you doing. She wanted to meet you and speak to you. When I suggested calling you, she'd say, no, no, don't bother him now. We'll contact him later. And so one morning he went to empty the garbage from the garage and found her going through all the books. And she asked, please bring these books inside. So she was sitting in her rocking chair and reading the books, day, whole day. And she got all the tapes from his ministry. He was listening to his tapes, had a picture of him. And uh, then last night he said, she sensed she was going to die, so she said, okay, we'll call him. And her last request, you take her to a place called Vrindavan. So he took the ashes. And so this is, yes, the family is benefited if we take up spiritual life. Uh, Garanga Prabhu was telling how he, he wanted to join the temple and his family was completely against it. So he brought, they, were, they said, okay, bring your family, we're going to have a nice lecture today. The whole lecture was about how the family gets liberated um, if this, the son becomes a devotee. So then after the class, one of his cousins came up to him and said, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? So yes, yes, this is, uh, this is very good. You should all become devotees. Okay, so that was the first part, humility of Prahlad Maharaj. This is the beginning. This, by humility, then we can come to the level of nishta, firm faith. By, and then we can chant all the time. That is what Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says. Tanadapi sunichana. So, now the next thing Prahlad talks about uh, is how he wants to serve his spiritual master. He said, my dear Lord, because of my association with material desires, one after another, 
I was gradually falling into a blind well full of snakes. But your servant, Naramuni, kindly accepted me as his disciple and instructed me how to achieve this transcendental position. Therefore, my first duty is to serve him. How could I leave his service? So here he is. Here's Prahlad. He is face to face with Nishingadev. Imagine you're face to face with Krishna, or even Nishingadev, or Lord. Well, we are face to face with Lord Chaitanya. It's not so scary. Um, <laughs> he's the most merciful incarnation. But imagine if he came to you in your house one day. What would you, what would you do? So this is what Prahlad did, and we can also. Um, take up his attitude, learn from his attitude, face to face with the Shingadev. He did not say, what service can I do for you, my Lord? He said, how can I serve my spiritual master? That was his request. He was not proud. He said, I want to serve my guru. I want to be servant of the servant. So this is what Lord Chaitanya teaches us, Gopi Bharatu Padakamalayor Das Dasana Dasa. So um, we need to, how do we serve the uh, spiritual master? We have to read the books. Read the books, Srila Prabhupada, Nectar of Instruction, Nectar of Devotion, as we were talking yesterday about Nectar of Instruction. Vaishnava, this is Vaishnava. So Prahlad Maharaj was thinking of Krishna all the time. But when Krishna came in the form of Lord Nishingadev, then he said, I want to serve my guru. I want to serve the spiritual master. So isn't that interesting? And Prabhupada was in Mexico. He was talking about how you have to think of Krishna at the time of death. And one lady raised her hand, one, I think, old lady. And she said, well, what if we think of you at the time of death? And he said, yes, that's all right. <laughs> he didn't go get into it that much, but he said, yes. Yes. So Prahlad is our guru. He's only a five-year-old boy, but um, he's in the Chisita. He's a perfect devotee. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he says, I want to be the dog of the devotee. Vaishnava Thakur, accept me as your dog. So Srila Prabhupada said that, you know, the dog is the lowest, but there's one good quality of the dog, and that is he's faithful. So we must be faithful to Srila Prabhupada. You must keep, and I'll give you a nice story about that, why we should be faithful to Srila Prabhupada. There was one lady, devotee, came to Vrindavan um, to die. People come to Vrindavan to leave their bodies to die. So she had MS, which is multiple sclerosis. sclerosis. And it took her 20 years to die. She was, and she was bedridden. Sometimes she could walk, sometimes she couldn't. Sometimes she could chant her around. Sometimes she didn't have the strength to even pick up her bead bag. So she was, she was dying in Vrindavan. And uh, so what happened was, it came close to the time of her departure. And before she left her body, she had a vision of Srila Prabhupada. And she was walking with Srila Prabhupada. Yes, I think there's a little bit more room here. People are trying to get in. 
So you can let the people come forward and let people in. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I mean, you didn't have to leave. <laughs> um, so I think nobody came in, but everyone moved forward. <laughs> what to do? And two people left. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> anyway, what to do? So uh, she, this devotee, she had a vision of Srila Prabhupada and herself. They were walking, she was walking on the path back to Godhead, next to Srila Prabhupada. And on both sides of the path, people were criticizing her, saying, you, she, she didn't chant properly her rounds. And some people were saying, she's a woman, she can't go. And other people were saying, yeah, she didn't follow, uh, she didn't follow all, she couldn't go to the morning program. She didn't go to Mangalarti every day. And Prabhupada turned to those people and he said, it's okay, she's with me. So we have to stay with Srila Prabhupada and he'll take us back to home, back to Godhead. So this is, um, we should better be servant of the servant than to try to serve Krishna directly. So I'm going to ask you some questions because this is a seminar, not just a lecture. Um, and the question is, why is it better to be servant of the servant of Krishna than to serve Krishna directly? Why is it better? You agree? Is better? Why? Krishna himself says that. Oh, Krishna himself says it's better to be servant of the servant. <laughs> so that means if you serve the servant, Krishna will be more pleased than if you serve him directly. Okay, any other reasons why? Yes, Krishna is more pleased. Yes? Um, also, it helps us to understand Krishna better. Yes, yes. The yes, if we serve the devotees, then we can understand Krishna better. That's true. Because the devotee will tell you, he will instruct you how to serve Krishna. Um, okay, any other reasons? You get more mercy. Yes, you get more mercy. Devotee's more merciful than Krishna. That's right. He's more merciful. Prabhupada is more merciful than Krishna. And not only that, the devotees in the whole line of the gurus, so if you serve the devotee, then you get the mercy of everyone, so many up to Krishna. You get lots of mercy by serving the servant. There was one man in Juhubambe, and, uh, well, I'll tell you the story after the next verse, because it's more about the next verse. In uh, the prayers of Prahlad, he said, My Lord, you have killed my father, Hiranyakashipu, and saved me from his sword. So I th think both in saving me and in killing him, you have acted just to prove true the words of your devotee. So there's... Um, Another reason why we should serve the servant, because if the devotee says something, Krishna must fulfill it. It must come true. So there's two ways that he proved true the words of the devotee when the Shingadeva appeared. He killed Hiranyakashipu, and so and 
he had he proved true the words of Lord Brahma, who said, "Not in the day, not in the night, not in the land, not on the sea, not in the air." So he proved true those words, and by saving Prahlad, he proved true the words of Narada Muni, who promised Prahlad's mother that Prahlad could not be killed. So yes, now I can tell you the story. There was a man in Bombay who um, was building rooms for us to live in. Because when we came to Bombay, there, there was no place for devotees to stay. The men were in a hut, really, really bad hut. But the hut was the prasada room, the men's ashram, the office, the kitchen, everything in one room smaller than this, and it was a hut. Means you couldn't really lock it, and um, I remember the first day I arrived, it was quite a culture shock, coming from America. I was watching the rats run across the rafters, and I was thinking, I hope he doesn't fall in my plate. <laughs> he fell in someone else's plate. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So this was the um, this was. Bombay, 1972. So this man, he built rooms for us to live in on top of the tenants' flats in the back. And so one day he came to see Srila Prabhupada covered with dust and cement. And Srila Prabhupada said to him, just as you are building rooms for my disciples, Krishna, is building rooms for you in Goloka Vrindavan. And the man said, but I'm, I'm so sinful. He, he, didn't, he was never initiated, and I think he was still drinking tea. He couldn't give up drinking tea. And he said, but Prabhupada, I'm so sinful. How can I go? Prabhupada said, that I will see. <laughs> well, this man left his body. We know where he went. Prabhupada said, I will see. So we must stick close to Shri Prabhupada, and he will see that we go back to Godhead. And many times he said, if you just chant your 16 rounds and follow the four regular principles, I promise I will take you back. So the last prayers of the end of, the, almost the end of the prayers of Pradhan Maharaj was, um, he was praying, he said, I'm not at all afraid of material existence. Forever I stand fully absorbed in thoughts of your glories. I'm happy. But my only concern is for the fools and rascals who are making elaborate plans for material happiness and maintaining their families, societies, and countries. I'm simply concerned with love for them. So he had compassion. Compassion for fools and rascals like us. Uh, Prabhupada had that same compassion. So. One thing that this verse reminds me of is, like our children, their children, our children are very special, children born in devotee families. One time my 10-year-old son, Govinda, he was with his friend Sudama in our house in Vrindavan. And they were watching this really big ant going around in circles because he had this huge piece of sugar or food. It was on his back. So they were looking at this ant going around and around. And 
they were observing, you know, probably if they were not devotees, they would have smashed it, but um, they were devotee kids. So they said, look at that poor ant. Let's help him out. So they took the big chunk and threw it off the back of the ant, and the ant went straight. So that's how, what this verse is about, the fools and rascals who are carrying these huge burdens, burden of happiness. It's a burden. Sometimes Krishna takes the burden and throws it, like they did. And so yes, this, um, he's happy. Prahlad's very happy chanting. Uh, he's happy chanting. He doesn't need to do anything. He's happy in his life, but he's compassionate for the fools and rascals who are making elaborate plans for happiness in this material world. So then, um, the last verse of Srila Prabhupada, uh, not Srila Prabhupada, Prahlad Maharaj. My dear Lord Shingade, I see there are many saintly persons indeed, but they're interested only in their own deliverance, not caring for the big cities and towns. They go to the Himalayas or the forest to meditate with vows of silence. They are not interested in delivering others. As for me, however, I do not wish to be liberated alone, leaving aside all these poor fools and rascals. I know that without Krishna consciousness, without taking shelter of your lotus feet, one cannot be happy. Therefore, I wish to bring them back to shelter at your lotus feet. So he doesn't want to go back to Godhead alone. In the, in the purport, Prabhupada talks about he's not interested in so-called meditation in the Himalayas or the forest. He's interested in the busiest part of the world where he teaches people Krishna consciousness. Every member of this movement is interested in going door to door to try to convince people about the teachings of Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, I mean, and people are just waiting for our books. They're just waiting. There is a story about one lady, one Christian lady. Um, so the devotees came to her door selling the books, and they walked in. There's this big, you know, huge, like eight-foot picture of Jesus Christ in her house. And she said, oh, yes, come in, come in. I need to buy your books. I had a dream. Jesus came to me a few nights before and said, They're gonna, some people are coming to sell the books and you should take them. So, yes. <laughs> He's also helping us with book distribution. Um, so she took the books from the devotees. And there's another story I heard um, about uh, one devotee was distributing in um, Russia, or one Eastern European country, one of the countries. And he went to one city and nobody was taking books, nobody at all. So then he went inside one church and then he met one, one priest there. And the priest said, oh yes, okay. Um, and they, they showed him the book, they showed him Bhagavatam. And the priest said, oh, please come, please come. I've been praying for, to get this book. I got one somehow or other, and now I want all the books. <laughs> and so, and he was praying to, to find someone to distribute the books to, and, and the priest was praying to get the books. <laughs> and so, yeah, these things happen. These things happen. Uh, devotees want to spread the philosophy. Like I think tonight there's a Harinam, there's a Kirtan here also, and there's a Harinam at Gold Coast. Yeah. So yes, um, 
So I think there's a, actually there's a story about Tirtarash who used to be here. I don't know if he's still in Brisbane, but um, there's a story about him preaching in China. So it's a nice way to remember him. Um, <laughs> Uh, that he was preaching in China and he was sitting in the audience next to a Buddhist monk. They were having kirtan on the uh, stage. And the monk pointed to his sika, what is this? And he said, oh, that's a sign that we are uh, preachers of this philosophy. And then um, he said, well, what's your philosophy? And then he said, yes, we see the supreme and everything. You couldn't really preach about Krishna in China in, in those days. I'm not sure about now. So then he said, so, okay, so what do you do the whole day? And Tirtarash said, well, we, we go out and try to spread this philosophy city to city, town to town. So the Buddhist monk said, you are higher than we are. Because you go out, we stay in the mountains because we're afraid of the material energy. We're afraid of the association. So Prabhupada said, nobody is interested in Krishna consciousness, but the devotees, they go out and they create the interest. They create the pious activities of the human being. They don't want to go back to Godhead alone. They want to take everyone with them. So um, this is selflessness of the devotee. We're talking about selfless giving and selfish giving yesterday so this is the selfless giving that he doesn't care i was also reading chaitanya charitamrita yesterday i think it was where lord chaitanya was preaching to the tattvavadis who were actually madhvacharya's line but they they don't believe they believe in the form of the lord but they they want to go to um vaikuntha nakoloka and or not even Vaikuntha, they just believe that the Varnasham is the highest, and you, if you practice Varnasham, then uh, that's perfection. And highest is moksha, you can get moksha. Um, but they believe in the form of the Lord, so... But now they change. Nowadays, before they would not accept Lord Chaitanya as incarnation, but now they've changed. A few years ago, maybe ten years ago, and they accept Lord Chaitanya and our philosophy also. So that's really nice. Um, so we have to preach and distribute books, so help everyone go. And that is real selflessness. And that is compassion, compassion that Prahlad Maharaj had. So I'll stop here if anyone has any questions or comments you can ask at this point. Yes. So, Mataji, we, for example, we distribute books, and um, sometimes we, sometimes people take the books, let's say Bhagavad Gita, but they don't read it. Just sitting in their house, doing collecting dust. Then, how does it help that person to go to? Yeah. Um, it, there is. It is said in one Purana, if you just keep the books in the house, then you will benefit. If you just keep Bhagavatam in your house, that's enough, even if you don't read it. But somebody will read it, usually someday. It may be the, the child, the grandchild, and they become devotees. It's happened a lot. But even if you don't read it, uh, you just keep it. Even Prabhupada said, even if they touch the book, that's enough to save them. 
from going down to the hellish planets. When, uh, yes? Well, the, the devotees in, um, who were distributing in USA when Prabhupada was here asked Prabhupada that question. Worse, worse, worse than what you're asking. He said, sometimes we distribute the books and after the people rip them and throw in the garbage in the bin. What happens to them? Prabhupada said, asked, so did they touch the book? And the devotee said, yes. He said, they're benefited. <laughs> they touch the book only. Yeah, I think there's a, anyway, there's a story about one, one book distributor distributed a Bhagavad Gita to one man. He took it home, and his roommate was a drunkard, and the drunkard picked up the Gita, and he read, oh, for the soul there is neither birth nor death. And he threw it. He said, ah, garbage. Then Yamrat, one day he drank too much, Yamadudas came, took him to Yamaraj. Yamaraj said, so, you are very sinful. You must suffer. What do you have, what do you want to do now? What are you going to do now? Yamaraj said. So, the man said, for the soul there is neither birth nor death. And he said, okay, go back. <laughs> Just read one line. Bhagavad Gita. Prabhupada said, if you just touch the book, and if you keep it in your house, there is benefit for you. There is benefit. So, um, yes. We, uh, uh, the, yes, it's, it's okay. Not only, not only the book, Prabhupada told Dhananjaya in 1974 to make small Gornitai deities and distribute them to everyone even the non-devotees. He said, just tell them they're dolls, give them clothes to put on. Isn't that interesting? Gorni <laughs> ties. They're really merciful. We, didn't, we don't know how merciful they are. That's what Prabhupada said. Dhananjaya never did it, but he was instructed by Prabhupada to sell Gorni ties, distribute Gorni ties to non-devotees. <laughs> Yeah, any other questions? Yes? Could you share some examples for like book distribution door knocking? Distributing the book by door knocking? Because recently uh, we have started, but sometimes it's hard to knock the door and distribute the book. If you can put well, I just shared one about the Christian lady who, yeah. who was waiting for the books. So that's the dream, like, Jesus and saying, that not <laughs> No, it's not very unusual. Um, but um, we, you have to just try, and sometimes, like, some, sometimes there's old people there, and, and they're very open because they're going to die, and they, and they want to have that wisdom. So, um, and one time there was another example of a handicapped person 
who came and he really, really wanted the book and the caretaker really, really didn't want him to take the book. But somehow he won and he got the book. Sometimes the children want the book. The children want the book. And, and, and they convince the parents <laughs> they won't let the book go. So, um, yeah, these are examples. Um, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. But, um, yes, Prabhupada, and we're not the only ones who do that. The Jehovah's Witnesses also go door to door. They don't sell books, but they preach. They, they try to preach to you. But, um, yeah, they have to do so many hours a month, each one. <laughs> no, probably we're not forced, but we can do it. Yeah. Do you have any examples? Yes, Mataji, from the recent, but majority of them say no, but quite a few, as we have mentioned, the children say yes, but the parents say no. And she's like, we want the book, and the brother and sister is like, we want individual Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> That's parents, like, um, no. so. Yeah, yeah. So this is example of the verse in Bhagavad Gita that um, if you don't finish your spiritual life, then you're naturally attracted in your next life. So we see that on Harinam. Sometimes the children will run to the Harinam, and they also really want the book. So it, they, they did have some uh, um, connection with devotional service in previous life, and they want to continue. So the, these are examples of that. So it's, it's good to try, then you get the credit. And you get, pure, I mean, you get the credit for doing it, even if they say no. Uh, it's up to Krishna who will take the book and who won't. Yeah. Any other questions. And is it right to um, is it right to uh, approach people with saying uh, this book is based on yoga? Is it right? To, yeah, well, Gita says jnana yoga, this yoga, that yoga. I mean, it's there in Gita. It's there. It's there in Bhagavatam also. Yoga, I mean, it's not the asanas may not be there, but um, it is talked about what is asana, pranayam, third canto, and eleventh canto is very specific. But otherwise, the whole whole Bhagavatam and Gita is bhakti yoga. So they don't, they're just not aware what the highest yoga is. Sometimes people will say, oh, this is a religious and we say, oh no, it's not really just Science. It's science. When somebody would say that to Prabhupada, he would say, this is a science. Just like you get old, the Muslim gets old, the Christian gets old, you die, everybody dies. So this book is about that. It tells about the science of life, the science of death, the science of birth. It talks about that. There's, it's a science to it. and it, doesn't matter what religion you are, uh, it's about the science of the soul. And Prabhupada will always emphasize, this is a science. Bhagavad Gita is the science of the soul. And it's definitely about yoga. may not be their idea of yoga, but it's the highest yoga. 
They should know what the highest yoga is. They should go beyond their asanas and, and breathing exercises and find out, yes, this is the highest yoga, yoga of love. Any other questions? Yes. It's not a question, but it's uh, my experience when Ex we distribute books. Okay. Actually, it says that we think that we are going to distribute books, but there are many times it also happens that people are looking for it. Yes, that's what I'm saying. They are looking. They are, um, especially now after COVID and all that. Recently, I was distributing, uh, showing books, and when I see Westerners, we talk about this a book on yoga, meditation. This fellow saw it said, in Bhagavad Gita. So I thought he might have some understanding. He said, yes. And he said, I've been looking for this book for a very long time. <laughs> and I drew all the way from one or one and a half hours to come to this place. So coincidence that you are here. Oh. I think five to six times he said, bless you, bless you, bless you. So one and a half hours he drove. Yes. There was another story I recently saw that one lady drove from very far to get the books. Um, yeah, also how devotees join, yeah, they just find out where, where is the devotee. Somebody, I was just reading somebody's story, how they joined Krishna consciousness, and, and they were searching. They got, went back to God, and they were searching for devotees, and they couldn't find them. Someone gave them a book, and they said, yeah, the devotees are over at this university, and so he went, you know, a few hours to, to that university, and yeah, there, there people are, there are people searching, there are people looking. And Shri Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati has predicted the day will come when we will have five million preachers out there. So it's just beginning now, but it's going to expand. It will be from everywhere. It will be from everywhere. Iskan will be expanded, <laughs> I'm sure. It will be expanded into many, many branches. It will be Lord Chaitanya. Iskan, of course, will be, I'm sure, the, the main force. But but there will be a you know just like the Christian Church, they have so many branches. So I'm sure it's gone in the future. May have a lot of branches too. <laughs> now it's it's not so divided. Any other questions? Uh huh. You want to share? Okay. Yeah. One time, uh, Prabhupada was sitting in a room, and he was saying that it's late. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> you were thinking, what? It's too late. Prabhupada said, it's too late. He says, even if all the devotees leave, even if all the temples close down, even if <laughs> no one is there, because the books are out, one person will read it and it will begin all again. Yeah, right, one person. You have a question? <coughs> um, because when Prabhupada was there and you met him personally, so like, I know, I read in the books that Tawupa said, preaching is the essence. Mm -hmm. So just by doing preaching, um, one can actually go back to Godhead. Mm -hmm. But then also we see that our regular sadhana and then going deep into philosophy and all those things, like 
reading and getting maturing in this philosophy is also important. But but I know he said that just by doing preaching, you can go back to God and you can get the love of God. But then I, sometimes I fail to reconcile the two things because going deep into the sadhana means you're becoming more like an introvert person and you have less to do with the world around you. But for preaching, you have to be kind of an extrovert person and you are more out and about. So is your question how to balance the sadhana and the preaching? Um, both are necessary. Both are. The sadhana will help your preaching. And the sadhana will inspire you to preach more. Prabhupada um, did say to a devotee in a letter, I believe, that the, chant, you, the chanting will make you happy, Sankirtan will make you happy, and the books will make you convinced. So the both go together. Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya and Kirtaniya Sadahari. He always put those two together. If you want to understand the books, you have to chant. So the chanting will, will help you if you chant properly, will help you, will inspire you to preach. I know for me, I was like 27 years, I never gave a class, but I was chanting. And then, 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 I got in, then my chanting inspired me to teach. When I got into the chanting, had a japa reform my own, then that inspired me, oh, yes, now I have to go out and preach. And I see other of my God sisters and God brothers, same thing happened to them. That they, they're doing deity worship, they're, in, they're more like in, introspective, but then at some point they, it, they change and they need to go out and preach. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? Jai, all glories to Shri Prabhupada, Hare Krishna.